But I'd like for you to open your Bible this morning to Psalms 100. For the last few weeks that I've been speaking, I've been talking from Psalm 51 mainly about David, his sin, and the thing that he missed and the thing that he had lost because of his sin. And we majored on verse 12 of Psalm 51. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And I think that's bigger than we have realized it was because joy is an immense testimony to God's presence with you. Not many people in this world have joy. A lot of people in this world have happy moments, but there's not a lot of people who live a joyful life filled with joy. The very author of joy is God. Joy comes from God. Happiness comes from circumstances. Joy can raise its hands and praise the Lord in the midst of tribulation and trials. You can count it all joy. Joy can overcome a multitude of things, even in the historical accounts of Nero's garden. When the Christians were taken to be burned at stake, there were a number of them who could rejoice, had a smile on their face. It's a big deal because it's a testimony to something in you that the world does not have. Joy. And joy is an emotion. Along with shouting and clapping your hands or dancing or what all the things the Bible describes, the exuberance, the elation of being in God's presence and just honoring him, those are all emotional things. I know a lot of people don't like emotion in religion. They love it at ball games. They like it at parties, but they don't like it in church. But the place where Healthy emotions, biblical emotions should be displayed are here in the church. We should honor and worship God every time we meet. We should recognize him as the source of all of our needs, as the creator of all things. All things are because of him. And he has allowed us to be in it. He's given us some light and some knowledge. And he deserves to be honored for it. Now, one of the things the Bible says in continuing on this train of relating to God emotionally, God wants us to be thankful. And I guess every day of your life, probably every day or at some point of every day, you say the words, thank you. Or you hear somebody say, thank you, maybe because of something you did for them. You held the door for them, gave them your seat or whatever you did. Paul writes about it. He said, be you thankful. And of all the things that we do as we relate to God, one thing should be daily, always and constant, and that's a thankful heart to God. And it makes us thankful in a lot of other ways. But you know, you have a lot this morning, all of you do, everybody here, whether you're in or out. Everybody here has much to be thankful for. There are people in this world right now who would give up everything they have just to have the health and the well-being that you have. To not be connected to some machine or being told you're going to die soon. You know, you have pain here, pain there. They would love to trade places with you. They would love to have that and be able to say, thank you, Lord, for deliverance from all that other stuff. You know, we experience that every week. God's deliverance and God's healing and God's help even through difficult, dark days that we've been through, some of you more than others, you're still here. 
You're still breathing. You're still alert. You can still read. You still have another day in your life, another opportunity in your life to say, thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. Now, in Psalm 100, a very short psalm, but it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And again, be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's what we should do. Let me call your attention to the fact that, that giving thanks in the Bible is used in some 39 different verses in the Bible, just giving thanks. Now, that's a lot. Or the words, be thankful, in 27 verses. The word thankful itself is used three times. But it's in there in such a way that we should all recognize that being here, we should be thankful that we are here because we're not here of our own volition. God brought us here. And what God brought us here for is to give us information and to give us information that would inspire us and enable us to live the kind of life that he will honor and give his grace to. He's doing that for us now while I'm talking. Therefore, we can say thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And thank you for this day, another day in my life. And thank you for the opportunity to hear, maybe again, what I've heard before, but to hear it in a deeper sense. Whatever I need, Lord, take care of me and supply my needs. And thank you for the privilege. Can't we all do that? That's one of the ways that we honor God. Now, notice here in Psalm 100, this is how we approach God. In verse 2, he said, we come before him with gladness. I don't think you have to come through the door skipping and hollering and shouting to be glad. You can be glad-hearted. You can have a heart that is free. You can often telegraph it with just a smile on your face, the nice comments you make to people. You're positive and not negative. You're uplifting instead of gloomy and downtrodden. There's gladness in your heart. This comes from God also. He has made us glad. Don't we sing the song, he has made us glad? He has made us glad. Well, he has. And if he has then we should acknowledge it and be willing to express it. But he said, come before his presence with thanksgiving and with singing. Now, we talked about singing last week, that Jesus wants to sing in his church. We could say as a song we have sung before, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Well, that melody came from him. I don't know who wrote the song and all of that. But, you know, making melody in your hearts is scriptural singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and coming into church to letting Jesus sing through us. It's his church. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one who built it, made it, designed it, and is perfecting it. And he wants to sing in it because singing is high caliber praise, good songs, the singing that's inspired of the Lord. And then he also said in verse 4, come before him twice with thanksgiving. Not only are we glad and with a song in our heart, but boy, I'm thankful. Now listen to me. Thankfulness will take away negativity. If you're thankful, you're not whining, okay? If you're thankful, you're not grumbling and groaning. 
if you're thankful. I mean, what you're grumbling and groaning about is probably some natural thing in life that's confronting you that makes, oh, I've been there. But if I'm thankful, then my thankfulness has to be bigger than that. And I have to say, in spite of this, I have a reason to be thankful. And I'm going to church this morning with a glad heart and a thankful heart, and I am going to sing, and in verse 4 again, he says, I'm going to bless the Lord. I am going to give honor and praise to God with my lips and maybe with my body, my hands. I just want God to know that I appreciate and I honor him and I have much gratitude or thanksgiving to him for what he's done. And as I read through the scripture that he's given us, what he's going to do. And the end of this life will be better than the beginning. Thank you, Lord. And he said he would keep us by his power. Thank you, Lord. He said he would lead us as we go out and lead us as we come in. Thank you, Lord. Now, pretty soon, if I keep talking like this, I'm not going to have anything to grumble about. There's gray in every day. There's dullness in every day you face. There's something wrong with every day. But there is also, if you're a Christian and you think about what you've been taught, there's something right about every day. There's something good about every day. And it's God. And being thankful which is probably one of the most natural things our parents, our mothers especially, ever taught us, is something that we should have before God. Look at verse 5, the last verse, and it gives us some reasons why we're thankful. And the first reason that he mentions in verse 5, he said, for the Lord is good. And then it says, his mercy is everlasting. Mercy is when God delivers you and relieves you, has pity on you. Mercy is the application of God's grace. God doesn't have to do anything to deliver us, but he does. Especially when you think of how miserable your life has been in the past and how much he's brought you out of. And he's, he had mercy on you, didn't he? We said, well, we are thankful for that. And he finishes by saying that we are thankful for his truth. For the word of God never ends. It never changes. It is current in any age, with any culture, in any civilization. It is up to date. It never changes. I mean, it stands before us as God's unchanging declaration of who he is, what he's going to do, and why he's going to do it. And we say, thank you, Lord, because he shows us that. Now, let me spend a moment or two this morning before we go on, and I'll probably spend a little too long. But the first thing he said in verse 5 was because God is good. God is good. Benevolence or gratitude, goodness, giving is one of the characteristics of God's perfection. He is good. Goodness comes from God. Without God's goodness, there probably wouldn't be any grace because it is the goodness of our God that gives and does what he does. In fact, if you look in Psalms 31, Psalms 31 and verse 19, this is a reason to be thankful, which is why I'm reading it, and I hope you are thankful when you do read this. Psalms 31 and verse 19, he said, Oh, how great, the psalmist said, oh, how great 
is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Oh, how great is thy goodness. Who's it for? It's available, obviously. God is good. God is here. And he says, God has laid up his goodness at all the benevolent things that God gives. He's laid it up for whom? He said, for them that fear thee, for them that trust in thee. This is who he's laid all this up for, for you and I. If we did take the time to indulge ourselves in just the word goodness as a study, as a word study, the goodness of God, maybe a little theology thrown in for amplifying God and then the verses of Scripture that express that goodness. For example, in Psalm 65, would you look in Psalm 65 while we're still in the Psalms? In Psalm 65 and verse 4. You would have to like this. It is required this morning that you like this. 65 and verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. Now stop. You can't get it better than that. It cannot be better than that. Blessed is the man that God or the woman, the person that God chooses. Because he makes the choice. He not only chooses, but he said he causes those people to come to him. Because no man naturally would. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. But God in his infinite power is able to do what only God can do to turn us around and bring us to him. For this purpose that we may dwell in his courts which we cared nothing about. He wants us to dwell in his courts, in his presence, to enjoy him. And not only enjoy him as God, but he goes on to say, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. I say, well, how good is his house? Find out. Does a house have windows? Or just basements don't have windows? I think he said he will open the windows of his house and pour out a blessing upon us. So there are blessings in his house, but they're not for him. They're for us. God doesn't need to be blessed. He doesn't need material things. He's creator of everything. He has no needs. All of these things that were made were made for us. He's given them to us. And for thy pleasure, all things were created. And, And he puts us in his creation and he blesses us with his word. And it pleases God. And not only does it please us, but it makes us emotional. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you thank God for the last, how many years in your life have you been saved? How many times in your life should your life have ended and it didn't? How many times did God cause you to escape? How many times did God bring an answer to your prayer? Or how many times did God rescue you or your children? Or kept something from going really, really bad. And how many times when all that happened, did we just go, man, that was close. Instead of saying, Lord, I recognize, oh, thank you, Lord. You're the one that did it. Isn't that a good thing to do? Of course it is. But God is good. He said in Romans 2, 4 to the hardheads, he said, don't you realize that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? 
You don't want to repent. You love your sins, he said. You all love what you're doing. You're living in darkness. You don't know what light is. You don't even know what you're missing. You're living like the devil who is your God. You are by nature children of wrath. But he said, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. You can't repent on your own. You can't just one day repent. It's a gift. It's something that God does. This is a manifestation of his goodness. It is the goodness of God that turns lives around, that brings relief, and that causes salvation. He said it is God who not only chooses, but he chooses and he causes you to come to him, and God establishes you in his courts, and he's the one who causes repentance, not only when you come to the Lord, but throughout the rest of your life for every wrong thing that he shows you about your life and you repent. I mean, he's behind all of that. Would you believe this morning if I told you God wants to perfect us and change us and make us ready for heaven? And that all the good and wonderful things come down from above. And we should be thankful. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying that it's the message of the Bible because the goodness of God is bigger than we have realized it is. It is God is good. There is a thing called the goodness and the severity of God in Romans 9. You want the good part. He said good to those who, who do what he wants you to do. And he's never asked you to do something you can't do. But you can't do what he wants unless he enables you. So you've got to come to him on his terms to live this life. And for that, we are thankful. So I praise God for that. But thanksgiving, like the joy that we've been talking about is a sure sign of relationship, that you have a healthy, legitimate relationship with God. If you can overcome all the weaknesses and the stuff in your life by reminding yourself that I have been called out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light, it is a joyous light. I don't understand all of it yet, but as he's shown it to me, I realize how blessed I am. Thank you, Lord. And you begin to thank him for those kind of things because that's what he is doing. His gratitude and his love and benevolence to us. Our thanksgiving is us saying, I appreciate what you're doing, Lord. I can't do this for myself. What's being done for me, only you can do. I want it, and I want the fullness of it, but I can't make it happen. It can only come from you, and I want you to know that I recognize that, I confess that, that you're my God, and that you will lead me as I go in, you'll lead me as I come out, and you will bless me and keep me, and I thank you for that. You know, a person whose mind thinks like that, a person whose mind is fixed on things like that is not very negative. You have negative moments, we all do. We have to deal with sin and stuff in our whole life. But look at the world you're living in. How unthankful is the world? How unthankful are people in the world? Everybody's a victim, it seems. Now, I know everybody isn't, but it seems like so many people are victims. They're mad. They never seem to be satisfied with anything. Whatever they have, they want more of it. And whatever they don't get, they want to complain about it. 
There's no thanksgiving. They're not really appreciating. Have you ever held a door for somebody and, you know, it's just an act of kindness? Or let's say your own personal goodness. You open the door for somebody and they come in and they just look at you and keep going. You think, I could have let the door go about halfway through. (laughs) But you wouldn't do that. (laughs) But, again, I grew up so many hundreds of years ago, and I'm so out of touch with today that that was a big deal with my mother. I mean, she just thought if you weren't kind and you didn't say thankful and show courtesy and stuff, you would just deserve whippings all the day long, I guess. The Bible does say... You train up a child the way they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from it. I don't know that it always has to be spiritual stuff. Just train your child to say thank you. For the foods you feed them at night, when you put them to bed, go tell your mother thank you for the meal. Well, she's supposed to fix food. No, she, yourself. she should be thankful for what she did. She did it for you. Be thankful. They're clean bed and everything, you know, and your clothes are clean. And, and I hope you've had to stack your own clothes and wash your own clothes, kids, and fold them and put them away. I hope you had to do that yourself. But if mom did it, think how thankful you should be. Just show some appreciation. Somebody does anything kind for you, say thank you. If you're an adult sitting somewhere and you walk in front of them, say excuse me. All of you that said amen have just dated yourself. You're old people. Just say, excuse me. Or thank you. Or if somebody is older standing up and you're sitting down, give them your seat. If you're on a train or a bus or whatever, train. What's that? There's something in us that if we raise our kids to appreciate, appreciate their clothes, appreciate the home they live in, appreciate whatever they have. And treat it with respect. Take care of things. There's nothing wrong with training kids to do that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And teaching them to say thank you. I mean, we do that with food. I hope we do. Not everybody does. I think much of this world, you know, they get food to eat, whether in the the fast food shops or the restaurant. Because I have watched not to judge them, but just to see how many people really are thankful before they eat for the food that's before them. Sometimes a very expensive, well-prepared meal and cost a lot of money. They just get it and start diving in. I think, you know, I think the first thing we should all do is recognize that every good thing comes from God. If this is good, thank God for it. You don't have to pray some elaborate prayer. Everybody in the restaurant. Sometimes it's just, Lord, I thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't like to make a public spectacle, praying in public. I don't like to give thanks in public as some way that calls attention. Anytime somebody prays in public, everybody thinks they're spiritual. That's not always true, but it's a good thing to be thankful for your food, to be thankful that you're here, that you've got a Bible, you own a Bible. A lot of people would give a whole lot for that and would read it every day. And thank God for what they read. It's just like a thankful heart never ceases. It just has so many things that keep accumulating that they're thankful for. But boy, today, the music, the music is full of hate and nastiness 
and the language that people use and the way people act and these so-called rock stars and all of their perverted music and their misleading conduct. This is a perverted age sexually. I'm tell- it is perverted. And some of the highest names are perverting it. And it's applauded by the liberality of the media. It's the last days. Now, I don't want to get into it, but just as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, you're living in it right now. The way it's looking right now is the reason a long time ago God judged it. And people are acting just like they are now. And just like it was in the days of Noah with all the hate and all the crime and the violence. I was watching the news the other night, and a commercial thing came on advertising a coming movie. I never saw such trash. Again, I'm 150 years old, but I never saw such trash in my life. Monsters coming out of nowhere, and uh, everything is unreal. Just don't remind me of the way things really are. Let's look at something unreal so I can go into another dimension or something. What an age. And mad, angry, upset, violent, crime is everywhere, language is terrible. Romans 1.21 says even when they knew God, they wouldn't acknowledge him. It's a violent and vile age. And more and more people, I suspect, are finding less and less to be thankful for. They grumble more, they complain more, they whine more, they're belligerent more, they're mad more, and they want to get even more, and they want to steal more and break in more. A lot of them don't want to work and do an honest day's work because there's so many handouts. You're a victim. And and if you're that, you're not thankful. I want mine. And yet we come before the Lord and we have learned, you know, I deserve nothing. What I deserved is death. And the only reason I'm free from death is because of what Jesus did. And the more I learn about him, the more I switch gears from all of this yucky world to the gracious coming of our Lord and a kingdom that Jesus said he's preparing for that not even the mind has ever thought of what, how wonderful it's going to be. That's coming. And for that, I say, thank you, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Really, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Before this message is overcome, would that make you nervous? If he did come before this message is over, what would happen to you? Where would you go? Are you ready? So let me give you a few things to be thankful for. Number one, we are thankful as a response to a gift, a compliment, a favor, or some kindness that's shown to us. It's us appreciating what somebody did. I've been talking about it. You don't have to be saved to be thankful like that. But it's one of those things that we should be. Somebody, again, somebody holds the door for you. Somebody gives you a seat. Somebody mows your grass, loans you their mower, whatever they do, and you appreciate that. You should say thank you. I See, I would expect if anybody here borrowed anything from me, and you should expect the same of me, or we somehow did a favor, helped somebody, the least that we can do is say thank you. 
I really appreciate it. Because that's what Christians do. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, I, hey, boy, you really bailed me out. Thanks. Oh, you won. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many times a day do we say it? Thank you. But it's something that we ought to say. How about this? That a husband should thank his wife for loving him. But now, do you think all wives just love their husbands? Or they just learn to live in the same house together? All right, let's leave the loving thing out for a minute, and let's talk about cooking. Boy, my wife made me one the other night. I mean, I hit two home runs this week. There it is. It couldn't be better. There's cornbread for one thing, and you cannot do much better than cornbread. And then there's this, and there's that big piece of fish, and you know, oh, ah, hallelujah. Don't you think it'd be a good thing to tell her thank you? Or would you say, well, she's my wife. She's supposed to fix it. I bought it. <laughs> no, sir, I think it would be good for you to say thank you. I think it would be good for a wife to say thank you to her husband when he does nice things for her, takes her out to eat. And you know, eat something else, but takes you out to eat, takes you shopping, or just says, I just want to do something for you this week. What can I do for you? Because I appreciate all you've done for me. Now, we don't do this every week. I, I'm not some wow man, but I have done this. How long have we been married? 52 years. I've done it before. I mean, I have said thank you like this before and taken her out somewhere to eat and all that. But what if she said to him, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate your concern. Is that good? Is that okay? How about teaching your children to say thank you to mom for the dinner? Thank you, mom. Okay. Are you done eating? Yeah, to pick that plate up and take it to the sink and put it in the sink for your mother. What? Yeah, we're going to start doing that. Next thing you know, I have to make up my bed. Yeah, you're probably going to do that in the morning. Because if you don't make it up, mom's going to tear it up and wad it up, and you're going to sleep on a wad in the tonight if you come home. Now, whatever we can do to make each other thankful, just say thank you for whatever you do. That's a good thing. Amen. How about eating our food? Is every creature that God has made good? Now watch out, some of them go, but every creature, every creature of God, as the Bible says, is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Now there, you know, there's a wily hog and his pork chops and a rack of ribs. And you think, well, I don't know if I can eat that or not, because this is the hog. Yes, it was, and it was outlawed in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there are no restrictions because there's no law. If you don't like pork, you don't have to eat it. If you don't like pork chops, you don't have to eat it. But you don't do it because of religious reasons. You do it because you don't like it. Now you say, well, what about, well, I'm just telling you. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Therefore, if you say, I thank God for this food, you're free to eat it because, first of all, you acknowledge that God gave it. I am thankful. 
Now, a second reason that we're thankful is because it is a way that we please God. You know that. It's a way that we please God. Look with me in the Psalms here. I've tried to stay close to where we are. Psalms 92. There's so much in here about it. You can stay close to Psalm 100. Psalms 92 and verse 1. You ever sang that song? It is a good thing to what? Well, let me ask you a question then. Is giving thanks a good thing? Then giving thanks is what I should do. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Look at Psalm 95. In verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with psalms. A joyful noise. That is something that comes from the heart as an expression of how I feel about God. He has made me glad. The joy of the Lord is my strength and so on and so forth. And in Psalm 107, you're close to that. In Psalm 107 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That means there's always hope. When God is merciful, somebody gets set free. And he is forever, all the time, no time he's not, merciful. Consequently, I have much to be thankful for. How about this one in the New Testament? He said, we give thanks unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2. Give thanks unto the Lord who always causes us to triumph. Well, then if I triumph over something, should I give thanks? That's like our testimonies here. We've had them for going on 34 years. I think every Sunday, as far as I can remember, I mean, a lot of you have said, I want to thank the Lord. I mean, it's the way you begin. I want to thank the Lord. I like to give thanks unto the Lord this morning. See, we're acknowledging that God's behind the good thing that happened to us. A study of goodness. We almost had a message on goodness. It, it was a temptation because that is such a an inspiring, to me, an inspiring subject, the topic. If you have a topical Bible, the topic of goodness, it really is inspiring because behind it is God and all the things that he does. And I think, wow, what a wonderful God we serve. But God wants us to please him. Paul wrote, let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which you are called. He says, and be you thankful. Whatever goes on in your life, whatever, wherever your path of your life is leading you, whatever circumstances you've got to encounter, wherever you are, be thankful. Be ye thankful. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. Rule means to judge. And you can measure your situations by how you're doing in it, by how much peace you have in it. Even your faith. I know when I believe. I know when I'm connected. 
I have peace. There's no struggle, no strain, no striving. I cast all that care over on the Lord, and I can leave it there because I have peace that the fact that he's heard me and that what I've asked him to do, he'll do it. A third thing, a third reason that we are thankful is because it's a testimony to success. The victory, for example, we read a while ago. Your family's doing well. I want to thank God. All my children are saved. I want to thank God everybody's got a job. I want to thank God that we get together and had fun. Or your business. Your, I thank God I had a better year this year than I did last year. We're doing better than we ever have done. I believe God causes that, and I want to thank the Lord for it. I appreciate you, Lord. I give thanks to you for the windows of heaven that you've opened and for the abundance that you've poured out upon me. Thank you, Lord. How many people do that? When's the last time, any of you here, when's the last time you told the Lord thank you for all the good successes and victories you've had in your life? When's the last time you've ever said, I want to thank you, Lord, for the difficulties in my life, which has caused me to turn to you with my whole heart? I mean, in intense turning. If I hadn't had the problem, I wouldn't have pressed in. You know, when you have no problems, you take things for granted. So, you know, you can give thanks for all things. Not for the pain and the agony of everything, except when, didn't the psalmist say, it was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn thy statutes? Well, it turned out good. It looked bad. I want to thank you, Lord. I know you're in charge. I know all things are under your control. I know everything from the well-being of my body to the bills that I have to pay to the spiritual needs of my children, my husband or my wife, to the pressing issue that is before us about the law or something. I mean, I just want to thank you, Lord, that you have power to cause anything and everything to turn out right. And I want to thank you, Lord, because I commit into your care all of those things, and I want to thank you, Lord. Is there anything wrong with that? When's the last time we did that? Now, we, I mean, I had to single you out for yourself. When's the last time you were thankful for your good marriage? For a good woman? Or for a good man? When's the last time? We don't think of that every day. I don't go around thinking, Lord, I appreciate Bonnie, I appreciate Bonnie, I appreciate... I don't do that every day. But occasionally I'm reminded, you know, and, you know, when she's doing things the way I wanted to do it, that, that I... I <laughs> There's just a lot of things that we have that we are thankful for, that we appreciate the way they're happening. Or have you ever lost something and then found it? Your keys or your checkbook. And found yourself going, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've done that. I think we all have. But that's a good thing because it's, you were successful. Listen to what Daniel prayed. This is the prophet Daniel. Listen to this. He said, I thank thee, Lord, and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now 
what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto me the king's matter. Remember, he was called in to give an interpretation of the king's dream. The king said, I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. Your God will have to show you. And if he doesn't show you, you're going to die. And Daniel said, what is it, Lord? He had good success. And the first thing he did, said, I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Because another reason that we are thankful to God or give thanks unto God is because it is a sacrifice to God. Listen to this. In Jonah, the book of Jonah, he said, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Now, the voice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice is something you offer up. It's an offering. It costs you something. Maybe some of your time and if it was an animal, it cost you money, but it cost you something. And you offer it up because God is worthy of this moment. It is worthy of being thanked and praised. And so Jonah said, Lord, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So there is such a thing as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I want to thank you, Lord. I appreciate you. I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that. And Lord God, for all the good things, for the health of my body, all my bills are paid, blah, 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 blah. Lord, I want to thank you. Sometimes it is a sacrifice because it's not always the time you want to do that. It might be one of those dreary days. And yet it's a day that God taps you on your heart and he says, I'd like to have an offering of thanksgiving from you. And you might have to just stop what you're doing. And instead of saying, I really am not in a mood to give thanks. God might say, I want it. You just stop and say, all right. I really do, Lord. I may not feel good about this, but I thank you for what you've done. And then you start thinking of things that you're thankful for. Take your time. You're in no hurry. Take your time and just... Be grateful. Appreciate what he's done. Just being thankful. And the last reason, the fifth reason that we are thankful to God is because it expresses and it follows the release of our faith. Of our faith. If Jesus said, when you pray, believe you have what you prayed for, if you really believe you have it, would it not then make sense to give thanks for it? If Jesus said, when you pray, something we should all do, when you pray, believe that you have what you prayed for. Now, and if when you believe you pray you have it, it shall be. Believe you've got it. Now, here I am supposed to believe I have something I can't see. I'm supposed to believe that I'm healed when my body is telling me that's crazy. You're bad all over. There's not a place in your body that doesn't hurt. You don't do this and you can't do that and this is going sour and that's not working. And you're praying that you believe that God has healed you just because you prayed? Well, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. 
when you pray, Jesus said, believe that you have what you ask for. He didn't say you have it because you feel it or because you can see it or because it's tangible and can be touched or handled. You believe it because when he said it, it registered in your heart. You ask him for it, and it's a choice. I believe I have it. The devil is roaring in your earpiece. That's crazy, but you have to fight the devil with words, what Jesus did. You come back and say, I'm thanking God for my healing or my whatever because I believe that when I prayed, he heard me. And devil, in case you have forgotten how to read, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, if when you pray, you believe that the Lord has heard you, then you know that you have what you have asked him for. If we know that he hears us when we pray, 1 John 5, if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have it. And I'll tell you what, the church today, the church that we've all grown up in, cannot, does not. I've never seen evidence of ever connecting with that truth. Never, ever. A few. A few people. Always a few. Always a remnant. And it's been lying dormant or without any effect in the home Bible, in the Bible you just bought. It's been in there all your life. The simplicity of the faith of God is come before your father. He's the one who said to come before him. What you're asking for is what he's already promised. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And if it's not specifically spelled out in the Bible what you're asking for, it comes down to Mark eleven twenty four. what things soever you desire. And all he said was, now you come before me, and the question we ask God is, are you reliable? Can I trust you, Lord, to do what you said? Does he? Say yes. Does God watch over his word to perform it? Will he do what he said? How do you know he will do what he said? Look how many people like you have asked the same thing you're going to ask for and got nothing. And so much of that has happened that the church has changed its theology. It's in giving people wrong information. Say, yes, we know that God could. We know that God has, but you can't be sure. Well, then they can't be saved either. How do you know when you ask God to forgive you of your sin that he wants to? Maybe he's changed his mind, doesn't want to save anymore. Well, you know, the healing thing, he may want you sick. Well, he may want you lost. You say, well, that don't make sense. Well, no, it doesn't, because salvation includes both of them. To be saved is to be delivered, to be healed, to be rescued, to be preserved. Salvation. People don't give thanks for their faith because they have trouble with accepting that God who made the promise that he will do what he said, that he really will do it. And therefore, they're praying and they pray and they keep praying and they pray and they pray and, and pray some more, hoping maybe much prayer will bring the answer. When Jesus said, when you pray, believe. Just believe. Believe you have what you ask for. 
And for that, some people call us a cult. They call me a cult, cult leader. Why? Because we say, when you pray, take God at his word, the Almighty, who said that he sent his word and healed us, therefore I believe in healing. He is my doctor. Am I flawed because he is my physician? He is Yahweh Rofikah, or Rafal. You mean that therefore, because I believe he is what he said he was, that there's something wrong with me? Because you tell me he might not be that. But I say he said he was that. Yes, but that might not be true. Why won't it be true? Well, look at all the great figures in history that never got healed. I don't want to look at all the great figures in history. I want to look into Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of my faith. My faith isn't based on a Spurgeon or a Finney or a whoever. I thank God for their testimonies and the greatness of their usefulness to God. But my faith is based on the word of God. Not their interpretation of it, not your interpretation of it, but what God said. And if God said he is, he is. And if he said he would, he will. And if he said he did, it's done. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is God the son of man that he should repent. If God said it, he'll do it. If God spoke it, he'll make it good. And the church says, well, you never know. You should know. Well, he might not. He said he would. You say he might not. Let me tell you something. Romans 3 says, let God be true and every man a liar. And if any man speak not according to this word, he has no light. And if people are believing what he's saying, they're going to be walking in darkness, thinking all the time they're religious. They're believing in a Christ that's not taught in the Bible, another Jesus Paul spoke of. Turn to Philippians 4 and verse 6. We might close with this. We might not. There's a chance. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. When you release your faith, my friends, you should rejoice and give thanks to God. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what somebody said or what anybody wrote. Let your faith be based upon the word of God. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, the, be careful is our word. Take no thought. Don't worry. Be anxious, fretful, and stressed out. Listen, about anything. And we violate that all the time. Think of how many things we fret over. Let me ask you a question. Does God have a solution to our problems? Does he? Can he fix anything that's broken? All I have to do is find a word, don't I? I can't pray an aimless prayer assuming that God will do something. I've got to have his word. My faith is based on his word. I find a prayer that says that God will do this or God will do that. Now I have a basis for my faith. And he said he watches over his word, and he sent his word to do this, or he sent his word to do that. Right here it says it. So I have to say, well, Lord, you said right here that you'll do this, so I receive it and done in Jesus' name. And you cannot lie because you said in Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord, I lie not. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say yes to some people, no to others, for all the promises are in him, yes, and in him, amen. Oh, God, get that in my heart. Listen. 
That's been lodged and bedded and slam dunked in my heart for 40 some years. And I find that in this hour, that's harder to teach than it ever has been. I don't know what kind of trends and things that people are flowing in in society, what kind of mindsets people have today. But the one of the things that's languishing, one of the loneliest promises in the Bible, the promises of faith. It's lonely. It's not visited much. But when you pray, believe. Again, back to this Philippians 4, 6. Said, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, those are two words that define asking, petitioning, requiring from God with thanksgiving. Does your Bible say with thanksgiving? If it doesn't, you got a bad version. Be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. How would you associate, if you were a little teacher this morning, you had your little class and you were teaching and somebody said, well, what's the relationship between Thanksgiving and prayer and supplication? Why would he ask me to pray and supplicate God with Thanksgiving? Well, what am I thanking him for? Could it be that when I pray, I'm to believe I have an answer? Am I to take God at his word? If I take God almighty, we're in here for that. If I take him at his word for his promise... Am I not then to settle in my heart that if he said this and I believe it, that settles the issue. I have what I've asked for because God cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. Therefore, I give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for this new or thank you for the healing or thank you for my deliverance. Or thank you for the salvation of, and thank you, Lord, for the new building. Wouldn't hurt, would it? If we believe, because all the things that I'm saying depends on whether or not in your heart you're really convinced that God will do what he said. Because if you don't, then you're still trying to get it. You're hoping you'll get it. And that's not the way we walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. And if we get discouraged and we draw back, we draw back to destruction. I'm not trying to make that ugly and hard. That's what the Bible says. I'm compelled. God's leading, causing and leading is to come before him and to rest my case with his word. If God said he'll do something, fix something, take care of something, provide something, deliver, he will do it. But it's based on whether or not I believe it. When you pray, believe. Paul in Thessalonians, he said, I thank God for you all that when you received the word from me, you received it not as the word of a man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in those who believe it. Remember that? How about Romans 1? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. What about 1 Peter 1? Receiving the end of your faith, a way we're supposed to live. Receiving the end of that life, 
the salvation of your souls. Even though in this life your faith is what's like gold, which is tested by fire, your faith is more precious than that, that it might be found at the end of your life when it's over, found to be praised and honored by the Almighty God. That Jesus might say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What has happened to the faith of our fathers? Remember that song? What has happened to the trusting God for all of our needs? Do we thank him for that or have we lost hope in that? You know, faith is what gives hope its substance and reality. I mean, hope is expectation. You can't expect it's going to happen unless you believe it's going to happen. You've got to have faith before you have hope. You know, God calls those things that be not as though they are. That's what we have to do. I just have to take God at his word. This is all I've got. This is it. This is all I've got. And if he said this is going to happen, I'm willing to give up everything out there to, to trust him for this. Oh, that might be crazy. No, crazy is when you don't, and it turns out that way, and now you've got to face God. That's what's crazy. God, give me a humble heart so I can bow my head before you and say, you are worthy to be trusted. You're worthy to be praised. The faith I have, little as a mustard seed, though it often seems to be, it came from you, and it is enough to move a mountain. And I thank you for it. Be careful for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thank him. Just be thankful for that. The simple thing is any need you have. There are no simple needs. They're all big needs. <laughs> all of man's needs. Thank you, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. And he does, and he will. You see... My thanksgiving to God is standing before God and saying, I appreciate you. I haven't always done it well. I've grumbled a lot, and I know I've offended you. But I am sorry. I want a thankful heart. And I thank you. And I appreciate you. And I ask you to keep doing your wonderful and good work in my life. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your kindness, especially for your goodness, all the undeserving things that we have received. How many times every day have you rescued us and done wonderful things for us, and we have forgotten to say, even at the end of the day, thank you, Lord, for the good day. My prayer is that you would lean on everybody here. That you would invade everybody's space to bring a deeper conviction about living than we've ever had. To let the things bother us that are not of you, things you're going to have to judge, may they bother us, may we turn from them. And Lord, in harmony with what we said today, we want to be thankful. We just want to be thankful. 
as we come before this communion time, this moment of the bread and the cup, how much, how very much we have to be thankful for there. Our salvation, Lord, through Jesus Christ, his shed blood in his body while he lived in this world. As we come before this communion, we ask that you would not only give us thankful hearts, but give us a time now to reflect on it, to give thought to it, and bless us in this moment, I ask in Jesus' name.